Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Colin Hart, CEO and Managing Director of ERE Healthcare, to discuss real estate strategy and physician practices. Colin, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Brian, great to be here, and it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Awesome. So, so let's dive right in here. So, Colin, why is real estate strategy such an important consideration for physician practices? It's a great question, and it's something a lot of our clients don't think about. So we only work with physician owners of real estate. Most of our clients bought or built their building as a way to control the destiny of their practice. And so a lot of them do not have an exit strategy. They were just excited to actually you know, own their home in the work sense. And so what we try to get our clients thinking about is, what is your exit strategy? This is an investment. Don't forget that. And while it's served your needs as you're practicing and working in the practice, as you shift towards retirement, there may be different objectives that you have for yourself, your family, your practice. And so it's important to think about those things ahead of time. Thank you, Colin. And maybe can you can you talk just a little bit there about why perhaps this is something that uh, a lot of your clients maybe don't think about? Is it just sort of uh, human nature not to, to, to do the long-term planning that, that needs to be done here or anything else you can share, any insights in terms of why this might go overlooked sometimes? Sure. Well, everybody's excited about owning real estate, right? It seems to be an aspiration or goal of a lot of our physician clients. You know, they own their practice, they want to own the real estate. And there's, I think, this inclination that eventually your real estate, your practice real estate will be your nest egg and is a great potential revenue source or, um, you know, piece of wealth as you head into retirement. And while that is true for many real estate investments, we take the position that you should only really own your practice real estate or be a partner in your practice real estate if you're practicing still. Uh, just like you might have to be bought out of the practice when you retire, we think that it makes sense to exit your real estate investment when you retire. And so that's why a lot of folks don't think about it because they correlate real estate ownership with long-term wealth and nest egg. Whereas because of the strategic nature and some nuances associated with owning a piece of practice real estate, it makes sense to probably exit that asset once you're no longer practicing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, definitely appreciate you going going a little deeper there. Sure. I, I'm curious now, though, sort of um, switching gears a, a little bit here. Private equity is something we're hearing more and more about, right, in this space uh, in healthcare in general. So, can you talk a little bit of how real estate sort of fits into a potential private equity transaction? Of course. So, just how we talked about potentially cycling out of your practice real estate as an investment once you exit the practice. Um, that solution works well for a lot of our clients who are thinking about exiting the practice overall, right? And so uh, there's been a lot of consolidation in healthcare, as you guys know very well, meaning practices are being acquired by health systems, by private equity. And so when you are selling the operation, that is the practice, it really makes a lot of sense to exit the real estate at the same time uh, or shortly thereafter. And so most of our clients, they own their practice in one entity, they own their real estate in another entity. And so they're simply paying rent from their practice to their real estate entities. When you sell your practice to private equity or to a hospital for that matter, you are no longer in the tenant role of the equation. And so you no longer control the variables that affect the value of your real estate. And really that is the length of your lease, your rent, the rental increases, the structure of the agreement between the practice and real estate entities. So real estate fits into the private equity equation 
by virtue of you are going to relinquish control of the operation of the practice when you sell to private equity. And so it's really important to make sure that the lease, the new lease that gets crafted as part of your private equity transaction is set up correctly to give you optionality to sell in the future, or at least to set you up in a good position as a landlord. Do you follow me on that? Yeah. And it, 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 I want to dig a little bit deeper there, even just Please. because um, so, some of the stuff that, as you mentioned, the owner will no longer have sort of control uh, over some of these elements here uh, when, once that agreement takes place. Uh, if if it's no longer owner occupied, let's say right. a, a real estate investment, does this change sort of the the, the risk profile here? Oh, completely. So you, it's kind of like owning your home, right? Now we're, we're moving over from you living in your home and being an owner occupier to you leasing your home to a new third party. Right. And obviously we're just talking home in a, in a, as an analogy, right? It's still your, your practice office. Um, but the point is when you're an owner occupier, you control all variables on both sides of the equation, right? You own the real estate, you own the practice. When you sell the practice, you're no longer in control of the tenant within that building. And so it completely changes the risk profile of the investment. Now you're really just a third-party landlord. If you want to take it a step further, it gets even more complicated because as part of a private equity transaction, now the physicians are going to be employees of the private equity entity. So you're an employee of the practice, but you're kind of still the boss on the landlord side. And so it introduces kind of a unique dynamic or conflict of interest because you are the real estate boss of your practice employer. So uh, because of the potential conflicts that can come up in a relationship like that, we think it tends to make sense to exit that investment. Thank you, Colin. And can you talk more about how real estate is valued here in terms of um, how it compares to a practice being acquired by private equity? What 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 does that do then, or or what do you have to say about sort of the the real estate value then? Sure. Uh, so we try to compare real estate in a similar way to how practices are valued, just for ease of our clients' understanding. And so based on our experience, and again, we just work on the periphery of private equity transactions. We are only real estate folks. Uh, but in a private equity transaction, we tend to see that practices are valued as a multiple of earnings or EBITDA, right? Which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And so a practices investment banker or practice broker will handle that. But typically what we find is, you know, depending on the profile of the practice, the practice is valued anywhere between five and 10 times earnings or EBITDA. On the real estate side, we don't have EBITDA to sell, we just have rent. And so we're still selling a stream of income, but that stream of income is rent. And so typically in a real estate sale, a property is valued as a multiple of that stream of rent. And that stream, depending on the location, the quality of the building, size of the practice, the multiple can range anywhere from, let's say, 12 to maybe 16 times rent. So the point is, typically, the multiple on the real estate side of the equation is higher than that of the practice. So it really makes a lot of sense to get it right as you're going through a private equity transaction, because there's still serious value tied up in that building. For sure. And you want to make sure that's accounted for in these deals, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I guess, Colin, can can you share some of um, maybe maybe some of the basic lease terms that should be considered here that, that listeners should be aware of. 
Right. And before I tell you about the basic lease terms, the reason it's important to get the lease right is just like you're selling EBITDA as part of your practice transaction, you're selling rent as part of a real estate transaction. And so in order to get the most premium multiple or the highest multiple, we want to create certainty or surety in that income stream. And so the purpose of getting these certain lease terms right, which we'll talk about in just a moment, is to create that certainty so that whoever is potentially buying the building, or even if you're just refinancing your building, is that you get the most value out of it because you have a tight, secure, and predictable stream of income. Okay. So that's really what's driving these lease terms. And so generally what we would look for is a long-term lease, which is a little bit ambiguous, but let's call it minimum of 10 years, but we typically advise our clients to have a 15-year lease if possible. Um, usually that lease is going to have obviously a set rent, but then the rent should increase slightly each year. So we advise typically annual rental increases, minimum 2%, love to have 3% or increases tied to the CPI or consumer price index. Um, the next point is that we want to make sure that the lease is something called triple net. And this is another ambiguous term in the world of real estate. But essentially what that means is in addition to paying the rent associated with operating in the building, the practice or private equity should also pay property taxes, insurance, and maintenance. Those are the three, what we refer to as nets in a triple net lease. And so with these three high level lease parameters that we've outlined, a client should be set up to kind of maximize the value of their building. Now, there's a lot of other nuance associated with getting a lease correct. But at the end of the day, this is a foundation for making sure to maintain the value in your real estate. Excellent, Colin. Thank you so much for, for walking me through all this today. I think the one final question I'd, I'd love to ask you, just sort of circling back to what we talked about at the top is sort of some clients, some of your clients aren't really uh, aware of some of these considerations when you start working with them. Uh, th think about this as a topic folks out there listening should better understand. Is there any other like misconceptions here, something that's lesser known ab about sort of real estate in, in this aspect that you think would be useful for our audience to know before we sign off here? Yeah, I, I think it's really just about understanding that your commercial building or your medical office building or your surgery center or surgical hospital is a lot different than owning, operating, or selling a home. And so there is nuance associated with it. Getting that lease correct is really important. And it's helpful to get ahead of these topics, talk to your partnership, uh, understand the value of your building, understand what lease terms go into making a valuable asset. And you can always do that by hiring you know, uh, an astute advisor or someone who does this for a living. So I would just say it's, it's important to identify specialists in this industry, associate with them, work with them. And obviously our firm does that. So just by virtue of your listeners today tuning in, I think they're ahead of the game. Uh, so, so they should be well set up for a potential transaction. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming, coming on and, and giving our listeners a leg up. Colin, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much, Brian. I'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, ERE Healthcare. You can tune to more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting beckerspodcasts.com.